Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you. And today we close down the offensive side of the football previews for the 2021 season with a look at the Tar Heel offensive line. And as always, we got Josh Marlowe with us, but uh, this is th- these next two podcasts. This is where he really shines, guys. He does the trench report. This man loves a little bit of hog molly play. Yeah. So we got to uh, we got to get his insight on this offensive line for this season. Carolina's got one of the more experienced groups that they've had in a very long time coming back this season. Carolina with all five starters from a year ago back on the offensive line. Uh, and, you know, you look at, you know, I think health's going to be one of the biggest things here. Joshua Zudu, again, missing spring practice. Um, it, that's probably the one concern that you would have with this team. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's a reason why there is a lot of confidence about this offensive line coming into this 2021 season. Yeah, um, you bring back all five starters. That's pretty important when you got to replace 2,000-yard backs in your backfield. You've got some questions at the wide receiver position. The question about the Tar Heels the last two years has been their offensive line play. And we really saw it last year. We really hammered it all offseason long. If the offensive line takes the next step, which looks like they have in terms of just the amount of depth they have on the, at that position group, a lot of talent, then you take the next step as a program and competing with the likes of Clemson becomes more realistic because you saw in those losses to Notre Dame and A&M, we just weren't physical enough. Their defensive line wore down our offensive line. You look at this offensive line now, though, 
you see a pathway to them being able to wear down a, a Notre Dame front, which they'll have the chance to in um, no, in October. A Miami front, which they did last year, you get a chance to do that again in October. Um, so it's a lot of reason to be excited because I do think if this offense is explosive to start the season, it'll be because of the offensive line group. Well, they've got to be great coming out of the gate. And one of the things that we talked about, if you go back to our podcast edition, two podcasts ago, uh, it, we, we talked a lot about the success of the Tar Heel backfield. And early on in the season, look, they've got some talent. We talked about it, man. Ty Chandler, he showed some really good things at Tennessee. We saw flashes from DJ Jones. They are going to need help from yeah. this offensive line and from the tight end group, which mm-hmm. we talked about in our last edition of the podcast. But they are going to need most of the help to come up front. Carolina did a good job of opening holes for the most part last year. But there were some moments where you had Javante Williams just running through guys, where you had Michael Carter finding ways to get out of trouble. You don't know if you've got guys at that level right now, so you need this offensive line to take it to another step, especially early on. And I mean, it starts right away with Virginia Tech. I told you before we got on air that I have a controversial opinion about the, uh, this offensive line. Here we go. Isn't that the whole <laughs> position preview and podcast it's, it's not series even, that we're doing? It's not even about the position. It's not even about the players. When you enter a season, there's always a lot of talk about this coach is on the hot seat, being a head coach, or this coordinator is on the hot seat. Oh, I know where you're going with this. When Stacy Searles got hired, that was probably the least excited hire that Mac Brown made. And we had, and I, well, unless he would have hired Greg Robinson. That yeah. was, oh my. Um, and we had some conversations last year. I believe it was after the loss at Florida State because that was the one, that was a game where, our, where we couldn't run the ball in the first half. Yeah, we couldn't do anything well in that and game. Let's be honest. We weren't prepared half. for it. Um, Mac Brown came back into college coaching to, yes, impact lives and all that stuff, but he still had that drive to win. That's <laughs> I like how you just kind of pass that yeah. off. Impact lives yeah. and such. Yeah, <laughs> he came back because he wanted to win football games. True. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, and he knows right now he's got the program back to where the expectation is to win. You just sold out season tickets, and this, that, and the other. You're upgrading your stadium. You're upgrading facilities. Ranked in the top ten top, to start yes, the season. You got a Heisman, uh, hopeful at quarterback. I don't think that if he doesn't think he's getting the most out of his offensive line group, he won't be afraid to make an in-season change. There's a lot of pressure on Stacey Searles to get this group to a top 2-3 level in the ACC. Yeah, I wouldn't say in-season. I'd be really shocked, especially with the group that's as hard to coach as the offensive line group. I would say if this team is out of ACC championship game uh, conversation, why not? Yeah, I mean, higher. If you lose to Virginia Tech, which is a possibility, you lose to Miami, and you lose to Notre Dame, you're done. You're not making. You're not going. You're not going to play an ACC championship game. You're not going to New Year's Six bowl game. I mean, you could if the ACC Coastal is what it's been. It's not going to be. It's not going to be. Because remember, Notre Dame is not. Notre Dame's not an ACC game, so so that won't hurt you. But I get what I get. What you're saying. Um, I mean, look, we we had that conversation last year, and I'm going to be honest with you. 
I don't think that that is as hot of a take as you think it is. Because I have seen other people. I, I haven't seen it on the Twitter or the Facebook wave. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really hard. Maybe it's on the Instagram combos, but I don't see it on Twitter and <laughs> No, nah, I mean, and look, there's a couple of groups that I'm in on, on Twitter and on Facebook uh, where I've seen it. Facebook, not so much. There are some Twitter groups where I've seen some people that are, you know, follow the program heavily. Um I, that think along the same lines as you do. And I think it's not only the fact that yeah, they're smart people. the success is, you know, is is good, but potentially not great on the field. It's also the recruiting. There's yeah. some people that have some issues with some of the, you know, guys that have just jumped onto the radar. Um, you know, there was you know, some criticism of his recruitment of Eli Sutton. Apparently, Eli Sutton basically had to push for the offer. Whatever. I- I'm not, and again, I'm not sure about that, okay? We are not insiders. We want to make sure that everybody knows that. We do not follow, we are not around the program day to day. We are not inside Carolina. We are not Tar Heel Illustrated where we have the ins and outs of everything that goes on. So those stories may or may not be true. I have no idea. These are what some of these people in these groups have talked about. But I definitely think that there, I mean, you've got a point there. Um, I think the group that he's bringing back gives him a chance to have the most success that he can have. And I think that's why that opinion is valid. If he was returning all five starters and some depth pieces, we wouldn't be expecting what right. we're expecting. And there wouldn't be this much pressure on the offensive line. But if they're not good, Carolina's not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, the mark is what What do you measure being good for this unit? I will say this. One of the things that goes in his favor is that – they have built a lot of depth very quickly. They have. And he needs to get credit for that because they've got guys. I mean, remember last year, and this this is where we'll kind of dive into this here a little bit. Remember last year, coming into the season, there were six, maybe seven guys that Mac Brown said he could trust on his offensive line. What yeah. did he say in most of the press conferences? I want 10. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have that. Ooh. This year, a lot closer. A lot closer to that. Um, I mean, you start with the guys – that are that are returning. Um, I mean, no doubt. I think the three guys that are going to anchor your offensive line, and that you would expect to have big seasons for you and to continue to progress, will be the two seniors, Marcus McKeithen at right guard, um, who you know has has been good. I mean, the Pro Football Focus numbers. If you read into that stuff, they're not great. But I'm going to be honest with you. Everything that I've seen from him, he's a consistent guy at right guard. He's Film a good don't run lie, blocker. Baby. He's a good run blocker. Um, you know, he's a guy that if you needed him to, uh, you'd probably go with the Zudu, who we'll talk about here in a minute. As your more flexible guy, if you needed Marcus McKeithen to kick out to right tackle, he I'd say he could probably do yeah. it. Um, Jordan Tucker's your other senior. He's done good. I think you know there were some games, especially that game against Notre Dame, where he got exposed just a little bit. Yeah. But he's still, for the most part, a really consistent offensive lineman. The main thing that he does is he is a fantastic run blocker. That is one of your guys that you know if you run the ball to the right side, that's probably where you're going to be able to have your most success. Then there's Joshua Zudu. Biggest thing for him is can he stay healthy because the talent is off the charts. He's a flexible option as well. If he's healthy, even if a guy goes down on your offensive line, he is so versatile that you could kick him. I mean, they've said it. He's your backup left tackle, and he's at left guard. He's he's got that much of a skill set to him. So those are the three guys that I look at and say for sure – 
those are the guys that are anchoring your offensive line this year. Are you kind of in that same ilk? I mean, at this point, they kind of got to be. What made Carolina so freaking good last year was that nice they, Royism, by they the way. could run the football to both sides. Even with the even with the Zudu not being 100% healthy, they could still run it to the right and run it to the left. If they can do that again this year, I think that's I think it's even more imperative they can do that as opposed to last year because it'll ease the running game for this unit. And I said when we, we preview the running back position, if this unit can get to 150 yards a game, I think you live with that production. I think that's really good. Um, and they'll be able to do that if they can run behind either Tucker on the right side, Zudu on the left. But a guy I've loved since he's you know took over the spot mainly because of injury, I think. Brian Anderson has become a really big part of what this team does. His leadership's become invaluable, and he's a guy that you know stepped in when uh, was it Nick was it Nick Polino who got hurt and he took over. Yeah, for Nick Polino in the game against Miami yeah. back in nineteen and went down. Remember, he we in. we thought when Brian Anderson stepped in, if this guy can't hold his own, this season could be derailed. And he he did more than held his uh, held his own. Mm-hmm. And now, from a leadership standpoint, this offensive line needs him on the field every Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's a good, not great player. I, I mean, I don't see him probably as an NFL guy. He beats you in the film room because he's because he has to scrap everything he gets. Is his talent level the best in the world? No, right. He's going to lose some reps against the more talented guys. But he is going but, to find ways on film to beat the guys that are more talented than to beat. He's a hard worker too man and, and Mac Brown talks about that all the time with him I, I know you know one of that th- th- a lot of Toriel fans I think when they look at that offensive line that's probably the one guy that gets the most criticism where you kind of just scratch your head and say why is there so much criticism for him but again I, I don't think he's he's your mauling center that's just going to destroy guys off the line of scrimmage he's going to lose some reps it's going to happen yep, to him he's going to get beat but He's. I still think he's a good enough player up front for you. He's. You know. He's done some good things, and I agree with you. I. I still feel confident in him, and a guy that I think we're starting to gain more confidence in as the year went along was Awesome Richards when he started the year, <laughs> and we knew. Look, we knew coming into the year that him playing as a what what he was he was a sophomore. He was a sophomore last year, but. This was, I mean, he was a sophomore who had played garbage time snaps before that. He this was, was basically a freshman. Yeah, he pretty much. He was basically a redshirt freshman. He, I mean, early in the season, there were some bumps in the road for him. There yeah. were times where, you know, he was put on the bench. Carolina decided to put Ed Montillis out there, kick Joshua Zudu over to left tackle. We saw that. But just about every time, he responded pretty well. And you feel like with a... Another offseason, and that's the other thing. Not only was he coming in with no experience last year, he did not have a spring camp. He had to come in, learn everything in fall camp that he needed to do as a starter on the offensive line. Pretty much what we heard last offseason was they were going off of upside on him. Yep. And we saw, you know, he had some fits, but he grew as the season went along. He's going to be the starter there again this year, and I think that. It's a guy that people should, you know, continue to have some confidence in. But again, I think the big thing that we can talk about here is that the depth of this offensive line has grown even stronger. And it's going to make it to where if you do not play to the level that you need to, there is enough depth here for him to come off the field. Still, 
I mean, I you you were one of the guys that was you know very critical of him last year. Do you think that he has taken the steps at, at the end of last year? And do you think he has a chance to come in this year and continue that progression? Um, I mean, I would say he has a chance, and I think I think if he is your starter when you open up at Virginia Tech. There won't be a spot on this offensive line who the starter didn't earn their position. Like they, they, you. There's so much depth that now at the offensive line, which they had to build after Larry Fedora got ran out of town. The running back group, especially that wide receiver position as well. That whoever starts, they earned it. It wasn't given to them. It wasn't because there was a lack of talent, a lack of depth, or whatever. And that's why there's so much excitement about this offensive line because the last two years they didn't have depth. You didn't have depth, and you didn't have guys you could trust. Now you have depth, and then you have guys that you can trust. So if a guy's having a bad game, you can put that guy on the bench, and you don't, you're not fearful of a major drop-off in talent, production, whatever, where especially two years ago, that killed you. Last year, you were able to navigate it because you had so much talent on the field, but this year, that's not going to be a problem because the guys they got bringing into this recruiting class, they're going to be studs in a couple years as well. Yeah, the other thing that this does as well is not only if guys struggling, but even if a guy really just needs a break, yeah. if you want to start rotating guys in to keep them fresh to prevent some of these wear down, uh, you know, type of events that we saw in the game against A&M, in the game against Notre Dame, you can do that now because you've got more depth than you did a year ago. As I mentioned, there were two guys last year coming into the season that Carolina felt confident in uh, that could rotate in and play at a high level, according to Mac Brown. That was yeah. Ed Montillas and that was Jonathan Adorno. Jonathan Adorno came in, did not play well at all, which was to be expected for a guy that was pretty much an undersized true freshman yeah. coming in. Yep. Instead, you had Kieran Johnson step up and really become that seventh guy. But outside of that, there was still a lot of uncertainty about the rest of the unit. Now, you've got those two guys back again yeah. this year. Montillus is once again the guy that's probably going to rotate in at either of the guard positions, which can help you. I think we've learned with him, he's a guy that can rotate in. He's not a long-term solution at starter, yeah. which is fine. You, that, that was something that you probably knew a little bit about him coming out of high school. His he's He still has value, though. Definitely. Though he is a 10 to 15 snap kind of guy. He's not going to get you killed if you rotate him in from time to time. Yeah. If you put him out there for four or five straight games, then teams can start figuring out some of his, weaknesses. you know, weaknesses, and he's a guy that can wear down on you a little bit. There, you know, there's still value in those guys, as you mentioned. Kieran Johnson, former walk-on. I mean, his story's great. Yeah. He was a guy that just worked his tail off, and you saw it last year. The great thing about him, he's another guy that you probably don't want to play consecutive games and really test what he can do endurance-wise, but he can play all the positions along the offensive line, and I mean every one of them. If you needed him at center, he could play center for you. That's the versatility of him. He's invaluable to this offensive line group, in my opinion. Definitely. Definitely. We saw him last year, even early in the year. That game against Syracuse, he came in there, played a significant role, and, and really allowed one of the things that he did last year was, we talk about it in basketball, he's one of those guys that you can throw on the field, take one of your guys off, and Stacey Searles, Mac Brown can bring him to the side and say, this is what you're doing wrong. Yeah. We're going to teach you right here because we got Kieran in there right now. He's doing what he needs to do. We can teach you something right here. That's the value of a guy like him. And now you've added other guys in there. One of the guys that I think we've been waiting for for a very, very long time to take off, and it looks like it's finally starting to click for him, and he admitted it. 
You know, he got he, he was overweight. He wasn't doing the things that he needed to do. But we really saw it start to click for him this spring was William Barnes. Yeah. This is a guy that now seems like he's sort of getting himself in better shape. I mean, he's, he, he went down. You know, he was at 342 at one point. He's now down to 325. Mac Brown, in every press conference this year, in the spring, when he talked about the offensive line, William Barnes was mentioned, and normally he was the first guy mentioned. Yeah. This guy is going to be a part of the rotation this year, and he's a guy like we talked about with Johnson. He, I don't think he, I don't think he's taking snaps at center, but he could play both guards, and if he needs to, he could kick out to tackle for you. There's a reason to believe, or there's argument to be made, that he might be if not the most, the second most gifted offensive lineman on this roster. He just had to be committed to loving football. And I think when he came to Carolina, maybe he didn't quite love football the way that you need to love football to play for play in the ACC. Hell, play for Mac Brown. He's been challenged, and you got to love the way he's responded to the challenge. Um, it's, it's been really good to see him get him back under, you know, back in weight. 6'3 and, uh, six, and a half, 325 pounds. Like, that's a grown ass man. That's a big dude, yeah. And if, I mean,. You know, so he can put the fear of God into some of these smaller linebackers if he's out pool blocking or whatever. But it's Carolina needs what he can bring to this offensive line because they're, he's going to be put in a situation where he's going to need to play well, and hopefully he'll be ready to play well. Yeah, and then you talk about Jonathan Adorno added some weight this year. Um, you know, still probably a little bit undersized if you compare him to some of the other guys on this offensive line. But I think he's he's getting there for sure, and he's another guy that I think at this point you would probably put him in that group that you could trust. It feels like Mac Brown kind of put him there as well, yeah. uh, and that. That's nine guys. He wanted ten. He's got nine. Yeah. And there are other guys on this offensive line that you feel can get them there. Mainly, you look at the guys at offensive tackle. There's not really that clear backup there. We've talked a lot about them having to kick guys out there in certain scenarios. That's the area that you probably want to find that depth next. Yeah. You found it on the interior. You look really good there for this year. Can you find those guys on the exterior of your offensive line, especially because you're going to, I mean, again, remember with the NCAA ruling from last year, Jordan Tucker can come back next year. Marcus McKeithen could come back, kick out there. You could kick Izudu out there. But you would want to find that guy that could take his place if you decide that you've got to get another guy there. Uh, You know, Wyatt Tanall is a guy, you know, missed a lot of last year due to injury. He's a guy that's been brought up. Um, You got Caden Baker, another athletic offensive tackle type guy, a sophomore. And then there's another guy that you know, probably wasn't the headliner of the offensive line class this year. That was Eli Sutton. Mm-hmm. By the way, love Eli Sutton. Great interview. Always like talking to him. Uh, wish him the best. But you got you got Diego Pounds. This guy. That's the best <laughs> offensive line name I've probably ever heard in my life. I mean, it's it's perfect, man. And I've I he's another guy that like. You know, you kind of wondered for a long time why Carolina wasn't offering him. Went and watched his tape, and, you know, he was a guy that was good, but once I started watching more and more of him, I said to myself, man, this guy, this is, this is Joshua Zudu again. He is versatile. He can play just about anywhere. He's got the athleticism to play tackle, and we heard a decent amount about him in the spring. Offensive line is one of those positions 
you don't talk about freshmen a lot, nope. especially with the amount of depth that you have. So for me to hear Mac Brown talk about him is is something. I don't know if he becomes part of the rotation this year. I would probably say that if I had to lean out of this group, probably go to Null, but I could see Baker as well. But don't sleep on Diego Pounds. He, he's got talent for the, sure. The best thing about this whole conversation is you're talking about freshmen that can impact your roster this year, which means that we were able to go out and get impact offensive linemen, and that's how you win in college football. That's how that's how you're going to be able to compete with Alabama's, the Ohio State's, the Clemson's, is you're building that offensive line up. They've got 12 to 15 guys that could start at a lot of places at the, at the Division One level. We didn't have that for eight years of Larry Fedora, and I think that's just a change of philosophy. We can still be a great offensive team with having with, with with spending three or four commits in a recruiting class on offensive linemen. And I think that was lost in the life door. We thought we had to bring in all the skill skill talent in the world, but it doesn't matter if you can't block to run the ball or, or to throw the football. I mean, remember there were game there were times where we would lose one offensive lineman and we would say, Yeah, this is this, this could be the end of our season. Yeah. And legitimately you saw a massive drop off in the offensive line. If you lost one of these guys this year, I feel pretty confident that the line, it may, look, if you lose a guy like Azudu or McKeithen or even Tucker, it could take a hit. But there, it, in no way would it be comparable to what you saw from that Larry Fedora era. Or even, to a certain extent, the Butch Davis yeah. era. The rebuild got sped up by the, the landing of Sam Howell and his play. But it goes hand-in-hand with the rebuilding of the offensive line as well. For sure, for sure. And, I mean, you look, there's some other guys that you definitely have to talk about here that are on scholarship. I mean, you mentioned like 12 to 15. I mean, you got guys like Malik McGowan, 6'3", 340-pound offensive lineman, played at Charlotte Catholic High School. He redshirted last year. He's a guy that probably could play inside if you needed him in a pinch. Uh, he's a name that'll probably continue to climb the depth chart in future years. Right now, going to be honest with you, there's just so much depth in there that I think it's going to be hard for him to kind of climb the depth chart because you've got the depth with some experience in the system. Uh, Eli Sutton. Biggest thing that hurts Eli Sutton is the fact that he's coming in when he is. He's yeah. a summer enrollee. If he would have came in earlier, he probably would have had a chance to be right in that talk with Diego Pounce, but I don't think he's that far off. He's extremely talented. He is, I mean, talk about a great pass blocker and a guy that just plays with a mean streak. He is a lot of fun to watch on tape. He's going to be a really good offensive lineman for him. And then Trey Zimmerman, probably a guy that a lot of people maybe forgot about. He was a former four-star. Had shoulder surgery last year. Really was working back from that for most of the season. He's going to be in that group this year. To me, he's kind of the unknown. We don't really know what we're going to expect from him because he's got the talent. That offensive tackle depth, as we talked about, isn't great, but we just don't know a whole lot about him because he's basically starting as a freshman since he didn't get to do a ton last year for the team. So we'll just have to wait and see on him. Some of the walk-ons, oh, excuse me, actually, there are two guys that come over from the defensive side of the ball that are interesting here. Don't know how much they're really going to factor in, especially early on. You've got uh, Wisdom Osaburo, who came over last year. Of course, he is a guy that came over. What a great story. He came over from Nigeria, ended up going to Covenant Day High School. Carolina recruited him. He came in 
uh, decided to skip his senior year of high school, came in early, was uh, on the defensive side of the football, but made the move to the offensive line. Uh, I believe he actually did that before last season. You got a guy that did it this offseason. You got A.J. Beatty who comes over as a uh, redshirt freshman. He redshirted last year. He'll come over to the offensive side. He's an interesting guy because the position that he projects at is center. The depth at center is not tremendous. You yeah. got Adorno who probably projects as a center just because of the amount of guys that are there. As we mentioned, Kieran Johnson could play it a little bit for you, but down the line, A.J. Beatty could be a name to keep an eye on there. Don't know how much he'll factor in here this year, though. And then you get to some of the walk-ons. You got guys like uh, Nick Makovic, who's been there a very long time, junior uh, walk-on. Uh, you've also got uh, a couple of guys in their second year with the program in Nolan Brown and Hunter Shope, who will both be sophomores. Uh, Chance Carroll, he's a redshirt freshman on the offensive line uh, as well. And I don't believe, uh, just from looking over the roster, oh, excuse me, no, sorry about that. There is one uh, true freshman walk-on, that is Carter Kolka, who comes out of Woodward Academy in Atlanta, who will join the group here for the fall. So that's your look at the Tar Heel offensive line group. As we mentioned, this is it for the offensive side of the ball. Go back, check out the other editions of the podcast, whether you're listening or watching. We've got all those up there for you guys to take a look at. We break down uh, the quarterbacks, the running backs, and we lump the wide receivers and tight ends into one edition of the podcast. So make sure that you guys are going and checking that out. Uh, and then we are going to shift to the defensive side of the football. We'll start with the guys that Josh wants to talk about the most, of course, in the defensive line. Move to the linebackers and then talk about the defensive backfield. And then we are going to do probably the shortest edition of the preview podcast, which will be the special team. Still a very interesting unit, though, that Mac Brown has talked a lot about. So we will t- cover that unit as well. And then after that, it sort of goes into that time where we're looking at fall camp. And then we have some of the funner editions of the podcast. Breakout players, which have gone you know, well in some circumstances. Yeah. Remember, Deami Brown was both uh, – we, we both predicted that, but there were also some other guys, if you go back in there, that didn't quite work out as well. So that's always fun. We've got a whole bunch of other great additions of the podcast coming up for you guys. And, of course, we're still trying to get on uh, some of these big-time journalists. Guys, I know we've got Phil Steele, who's going to join me on Thursday. Uh, he, he's going to uh, talk a little bit about Carolina from a national perspective. Brett Ciencia of Pick 6 Previews, his uh, preview just came out on the 9th of July over the weekend, so we're going to try to get him on as well. So those editions of the podcast are coming up. The best way to watch it, of course, right here on the Facebook page, and we suggest that you like and follow the Facebook page because now they have this cool thing where you can post online events. Yeah. Not really sure why exactly they changed it, but I think that it does a better job of notifying you when we have a live video coming up. So that's the biggest thing. You won't miss any of those editions of the podcast if you are if you like the page because it'll be right there in your notifications. It also puts everything on your timeline for you. So if you are one of those people that like to go through the Facebook groups, if you're in a bunch of groups, you don't have to worry about trying to scroll through and find what group it is in, see if it's on your timeline. It'll be right there with the like of the Heel Tough blog page. Uh, you guys have done a great job so far since we've gone back to the video podcast. You guys have really 
really enjoyed it, and we are so happy that we are back on camera for you guys. We got so much cool stuff coming up for you guys during the season, uh, and then hopefully, you know, again, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a little uh, cautious right now with everything that's going on with COVID. Uh, still, you know, you still got some of these restaurants that aren't quite open just yet, but I'm hoping at some point we may be able to start doing some on-location stuff again. That would be really exciting because we loved it a couple years ago when we went out and did the uh, preview show before the South Carolina game. We'd really love to get back to that point. That's why Carolina's got to make it to Charlotte for the yeah. ACC championship game so we can do something like that again. But we'd love to do that uh, again. So bunch of exciting stuff for you guys to keep an eye on coming up uh, in terms of the podcast. If you listen, all these editions are going to be on there as well. We do the audio edition still. We've been doing those since the beginning, so we're not going to stop those. Uh, we got plenty of loyal people, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those. Make sure that if you are listening, you are subscribed so you don't miss any of the editions of the podcast. Head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Great stuff on there as well. All these position previews, we've got them on the website as well, breaking them down a little more in depth. The only difference, wide receivers and tight ends, separate articles because there's so much in the wide receiver article that we wanted to make tight ends its own entity. Other than that, it's the exact same thing. We break down these units in depth even more than we talked about here when it comes to some of the guys that uh, we'll factor in. So definitely go back, read that stuff on the website. And then, as I mentioned, all those editions of the podcast, those will be articles as well and that's where we'll have all the previews and everything up for the first game of the season uh, rolling through the season like we did last year. We're going to try to get a little more creative with some of the previews and recaps all that kind of stuff, but we're still going to have a lot of the same elements on there. We're going to have the weekly stock reports, all that stuff, the trench reports, all of that on the website. Uh, Still got you covered on recruiting. There's a bunch of stuff going on recruiting-wise over the next few days, so uh, make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on on uh, the website, also some additions of the podcast that could be coming out during that time as well with some big-time guys making their decisions coming up. So make sure that you guys are following the page and keeping an eye on uh, all of that at HeelToughBlog.com. You can follow it on Twitter as well if that's one of the ways you want to connect at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Let's see. Any other business before we get out of here? Podcasts. You can check them out on the website as well. Heel Tough Blog Podcast tab at the top. Uh, Four Corners Podcast tab at the top. Josh has he covered also on the website. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. On the basketball front, he's got you covered uh, with the Jalen Washington commitment, uh, Dawson Garcia's transfer commitment, all that stuff's on the website. He's got you covered recruiting-wise. Going to have a bunch of stuff up about the Roy Williams era, some fun stuff that we're going to do on that also on the podcast side of things, so you won't want to miss any of that. And then... Once we roll around to camp, once we roll around to the start of the season, he will have you covered. We got the schedule out, actually the day of recording, so that article has been up for a few days now. Make sure you go back, check that out if you haven't seen the Tar Heel schedule yet. He does a good job of breaking all that stuff down for you guys as we get prepared for an extremely exciting basketball season, uh, the first for Hubert Davis as the head man on the bench for the Tar Heels. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. One of them Josh for hosting. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at HTB at HTB Josh. Yeah, follow me it. on Twitter at HB, HTB Anthony. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>